Okay, good morning, everybody. It's just gone 10 a.m. And uh, it's great to be able to spend some time with you this, this bright and sunny morning. And over the next 20 minutes or so, we're hoping to have a, a brief look at some of the practical preparations for home care regulation, as there's a whole lot of change happening uh, over the next months and years. My name is John Sweeney. I am CEO with Healthcare Informed with HCI. And uh, I'm delighted to get the chance to, to talk through some of the, the key aspects of uh, areas that we think as we prepare for home care regulation, that consideration needs to be given. Um, so the big question probably is, how do we know what, what, what home care regulation is going to be like? Well, over the last 25 years or so, I've had the opportunity to work in, in a huge amount of, of regulatory environments within health and social care. And we have seen the introduction of regulation uh, form very specific trends. Um, most significantly in 2009, when we saw the introduction of regulation for uh, residential care for older persons, we saw the introduction of regulation in the disability services. Prior to that, in, in my own area, we, we developed accreditation for acute care hospitals, which was de facto a type of regulation. And we've also had the opportunity to work in the Middle East in South America and Australia, and also to see how the regulation has impacted in those areas. And the learnings from those are, are, are something that really transcend the different areas of health and social care. And we've also had the opportunity to work with home care over the last number of years. HCI has been in existence for the last 17 years or so at, at different aspects, looking at, at, at specific areas of governance, clinical, corporate, uh, we've looked at serious incident reviews in, in the home care sector and also the implementation of full quality management systems through the likes of JCI accreditation and CHKS accreditation, et cetera. So we've had the opportunity to have a good understanding of how home care functions, of the challenges that exist, and most importantly, how we now feel that regulation is going to, uh, is going to impact uh, the home care sector uh, in the future years. A little bit about ourselves, HCI, um, we are a team of 30 based in Dublin and Galway, and our areas focus around all aspects of regulatory compliance, quality, patient safety, and the digital transformation of that. So as we get into more regulated areas and as home care uh, gets into that area, the amount of information and, and, and the mechanisms to gather all of that uh, become quite significant. So we want to see how we can make sure that we streamline that and make uh, best use of digital transformation. So that's enough about us. Big question is, why are we here? Well, obviously, the, the main reason we're here is regulation for home care is coming down the tracks and quite quickly. It's not just one set of standards that, that, that we have to look at, which will be based under the framework for the national standards or safer, better healthcare, but also there are the outlying ones, such as infection control, that HICWA also uh, make reference to it. So the, wh why then is there such a focus now on home care? Well, I think overall we've seen regulation is increasing in health and social care. That's, that's the first thing we're going to see. The hospitals are now going to be licensed. Primary care is, is next up. But in particular, COVID had a very specific focus on the importance that home care has brought and, and the need to be able to assure uh, that home care is of a, a quality, is provision of safe care 
uh, as, as part of that. In addition, as you know better than I do, the whole funding model around home care uh, is very much changing. And that always links into regulation. The more money uh, that, that is driven within an organization, the other side of it is also looking at, well, if we're going to be funding these services, if they're going to be providing this, how are we assured as either funder uh, is going to be actually uh, getting the best quality of care for the, the service users, the individual. Unfortunately, as also regulation has driven so much, there's been some significant high profile issues uh, within home care, some failings. We had the primetime investigates in, in, in 2021. We've had specific issues that have been raised. And this again raises the issue, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about HICWA in a minute, raises the issue of why isn't this area regulated? And if we look to our neighbours, if we look to the UK, to Northern Ireland, these areas of home care have been regulated uh, for, for a significant period. What is interesting is the change that this will bring to the sector that you work in. And we have seen this in, in all of the different sectors, everything from hospices to fertility units. And it does, without doubt, bring improvement. It brings demands. It brings demands to, to make sure that we're evaluating and understanding the services. It also reduces the number of services. And this is internationally. We know that approximately 10% of services uh, don't make it through that regulatory change for various reasons, uh, that, that the funding isn't there, that the challenges are too much, et cetera. So now is the ideal time. Uh, you're now realistically looking at about 18 months out, maybe two years, depending on how things go, when regulation uh, hits, the, hits the ground. Now is the time to be looking at your organization to be able to say, what do I need to focus on? What is important uh, for me in the, in the way that our, our services operate? And that's what we want to talk about today. So the whole regulatory area has been driven very much uh, by the, the push coming out of, of such things as the Nursing Home Expert Panel in 2001. Again, it highlighted uh, and to, to the Department of Health, to the HSE, to the funders, that if we are going to have this focus on long-term care, which they saw as what is required, then we have to understand that we're going to be able to uh, regulate that and to be able to understand the quality and safety of care that, that, that it brings. Uh, similarly, HICWA, who will be the regulatory body and have a lot of experience in this area, um, in, in 2021, brought out the document which focused again on the need for home care regulation. Now, what is interesting in, in there is it talks about the same focus as it has in other areas, capacity and capability. Have you the capacity, the resources, and those resources have the ability to actually deliver those services? And do you understand the safety? And one of the good things that HICWA does in relation to any of the regulations and standards, it is a rights-based model. It focuses centrally on the individual, be that the service user, the resident, or the patient, and then expands from there. And really when we're working with organizations and we've worked with, with hundreds of different organizations in health and social care over the years, we always bring it back to that. And when we're looking at how are we providing quality and safe care, focus on the individual who's getting that service and we don't usually go too far wrong. So within HICWA's document, when they look at it and, and say, well, you know, what, what's going to be the, the objective of home care regulation? And these are important for us to keep in our mind and to keep back and, and, and refer to them. 
It's to improve the performance and quality. How do we know? How can we assure that we provide the per correct care and the level of accountability? Now, if you take those two things, understanding and the accountability, so when the standards come out, they'll probably be somewhere in the line of 500, 600 different things, measurable elements that you're going to be looking at. They all ask the same question. How do you, the organization, assure the quality and safety of care? So be that in the structures that you provide, the processes in what you have identified that are in line with best practice, we'll come up to that, and the outcomes. How do you know the evaluations of them? But what is key to all of that is individual accountability. So when regulation comes in, it is not about an organization. It is about the individuals within that organization and where that accountability lies. And that came very much from uh, way back when, when uh, HICWA first started looking at regulations um, and, and saw the need for that individual accountability. Now, what is good is regulation should only be viewed as a component of broader reform and should not be burdensome. Now, unfortunately, regulation is burdensome. Now, on the one hand, I'm saying that because you have to have clearly defined structures in place, clearly documented processes in place, implementation, training, audit, evaluation. However, there is nothing within the regulation to date or going forward that I can see that is against good care. If we are trying to develop and improve the care that we, that we deliver, then you know, we are going to be looking at, at, at those regulatory standards and, and, and all that goes with it. So what can we expect? Well, we know what we're going to expect a lot because we, we have seen it before. And what I would say is most of you would have been involved in, in, in a kind of pseudo regulation around HSE and looking for evaluation. It's not that. HICWA is a very focused regulator. It has very strict processes. It has very clear guidance in relation to it. And they implement these very well. HICWA is not concerned about the financial viability of your organization, nor is it concerned whether the organization uh, actually exists or not. It is concerned that whoever is operating in home care, in this social, asset, social or, or care delivery, is providing safe quality care. And if you can't, for whatever reasons, you shouldn't be there. And that's understandable because if things do go wrong, and we've seen this with the likes of Oris Attracta, HICWA are on the same side as you. So if, if we ended up providing poor care and HICWA hadn't identified that, well, then they are questioned as much as we are. So they're there to make sure that they're functioning effectively to actually understand what you're doing and to be able to give assurance to the public that your care is appropriate. So the Department of Health is, go is going to create the statutory instrument, the legislation, which will have all of those issues about how they can enforce it and how the, what, what they can do. And then behind that are the, are, are the national standards. Now, you don't have to wait any longer for wondering about, well, what are the standards? If you start to look at the national standards for safer, better healthcare, that's the overarching framework. Now, there will be specific guidance within each of those columns, but you can, you can understand where, where, where that is going. Um, with regards to, to monitoring and managing compliance, this will be done through inspections, it'll be done through triangulation. Will they be out and about in, in, in services? Yes, they will. Will they be going into homes? Yes, they will. We'll be looking at documentation, interviewing staff to understand how the organization operates so they can factually present 
whether it's in line with compliance. And where organizations are not in, in line with compliance, we hear a lot about the occasional, and it is occasional cases, um, that HICWA are moving to, uh, uh, to restrict registration. But what you don't hear about is there are many, many organizations who are impacted by regulation through the pausing of admissions. And that is as big a problem for an organization as actually uh, threatened to lose the registration. So very quickly, if, if the, the standards are not where they want and they expect you to hit the ground running uh, when, when, they, when they release them, it's not that nice lead up time. Um, if things are not as they are, they can say, well, hold off, you're not going to be in a position to take any more admissions. Uh, I mentioned that you know, HICWA is very much a rights base, it's very much focused on the individual, um, and I think that's important. This graphic from HICWA describes very much their person-centered care support about that rights base, the safety, the responsiveness, which is very linked to the rights and the safety, and then accountability. How do we demonstrate that we are accountable uh, for the care that we deliver? So HICWA is, is very clear. It says that the standards are going to be there. The regulations are going to be applied to everyone equally. Obviously, if you have more complex services within home care, there's going to be a, 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 a different approach to it or looking at it differently. But that the quality of care at a minimum level, and this is where regulation starts, at a minimum level is consistent uh, across all areas. So having chatted to, to, to many home care organizations individually at this stage, I said, well, where do we need to focus on? Well, if we start to look at the findings, and as HCI, we have a best practice team who look at the findings of, of HICWA on an ongoing basis, we can see what are the biggest areas of non-compliance and what are the ones that we should really look at. And the number one area is governance and management. Of all of the organizations who have got into difficulty with non-compliance and regulatory enforcement, be that restricting admissions, uh, conditions, or ultimately uh, refusal to register, governance is the number one issue. And that's understandable. If we don't have the key structures and the governance in place, well then we're not going to be able to ensure all of the other aspects of it. Um, when I was Director of Research and Development for the Irish Health Service Accreditation Board, we undertook a three-year study which looked at the links between governance and clinical care outcomes. And what we identified was poor governance always related to poor clinical outcomes. And this is very much part of the standards. So what do they mean by governance? And governance is a word that's thrown around quite a lot. And we're, we're talking about things like, have we clear organizational structures? Is it clear who's accountable for what area? Not that individuals answer to someone, a group of people, but who those individuals are. How does that support the individuals on a day-to-day -day basis? Are they clear of that? How do we function in relation to our teams and committees? And because they're part of our communication, they're part of our governance role. Uh, a big part of, of, of the findings is that when senior people are absent, it's unclear who gives that support, who gives that accountability for them. And then when we get into having the actual structures, how do we monitor that? So governance is about understanding before any regulator, 
whether you're functioning correctly. And that's in relation to key performance indicators. It's in relation to quality audits out on site. Are we adhering to what we said we would do? It's understanding that what we're doing is in line with best practice. And that best practice will be something that you keep hearing coming up time and time again. Resources are a big issue. Now, what is interesting is in residential care, even at this stage, and it's been operating since 2009, is there is no mathematical formula for resources. There are in other parts of the world that we utilize as, as templates, uh, but we know from experience what, what HICWA's expectations are, what are the ratios. But this is something that you are going to have to be able to demonstrate and be able to argue the case with them and say that, yes, this is how many service users we have, this is how many staff, this is how we're, we're, we're going to be able to, to utilize those. Audit, I've already mentioned, you should be able to understand where the areas of non-compliance, where your opportunities for, for, for compliance are well before you actually uh, see a regulator. And again, this is something that keeps coming up in the findings, keeps being an, an issue with regards to non-compliance. And we see organizations say, yes, I have a full audit program and I'm getting 100% in all areas. That's unrealistic. And I would know that and identify that in, in, in the inspection. What does that mean to HICWA? It means you don't understand your organization that you're, someone is, is looking and ticking boxes, but not understanding how the actual quality of it. Beyond governance, the next one are always up, regulation five and the current regulations in residential care is about assessment and care planning. Now, in a nutshell, what this is asking is, have you clarity with regards to your pre-admission assessment, your admission assessment, those admissions and observations, do they relate to a very specific care plan for that individual, not generic. And you can see that that's mentioned there, that comes up quite a lot. And do you evaluate that that care plan has been delivered? So it is a very structured process. It is very understandable, but it is one that even now keeps coming up as an issue. And if this isn't correct, then we, we our whole care model breaks down. If we haven't assessed, if we haven't the plan, if we haven't figured out how we're going to deliver that care, it's hard for us to demonstrate that we're going to have care. Now I know, and it is a big challenge in home care, in certain counties, we're very reliant on the HSE to provide pre-admission assessment and risk assessments for the individual. And they're not always at the level that they are. Now that's gonna be a challenge because the responsibility for that service user rests with the organization. Now you're saying, but there's someone else out there, there's someone else out there. So those, those care plans need to be updated every four months in the case of residential care, uh, which, which we're expecting will be similar, and how you identify the issues and how you communicate those. Your care planning is the key aspect um, of all of your care delivery, and that is where they certainly spend a lot of time focusing on and how you're actually going to uh, achieve that. Now, policies and procedures, I'm conscious of time, I just want to hit a few key points, and we could certainly talk about this for at least two days, if not more. Policies and procedures are something that people go, oh my God, more documentation and paper. Policies and procedures are much more than pieces of paper that have to be circulated. They are the documents that demonstrate how you have agreed you will deliver your care. They are governance documents. And those documents must A, demonstrate that you have given consideration to how you're going to deliver that care. 
you've given consideration to how best practice should state we deliver that care. And then the senior managers have said, yes, I am signing off. This is how we do it. And then that that relates then to all of your training, all of your following on uh, as part of it. So the findings, again, is they're not approved. They're not approved by senior managers, so they don't have the governance. Um, they're generic. Here, I found one from the HSE, or there was another home care organization or whatever. They don't reflect what you actually do, or the service isn't actually operating in the way that those policies and procedures are. So do not underestimate your policies and procedures, but it's not about writing these in a, in, in a room. It is about understanding that they are mapping out and process flow charts, rest assured are the way to go with those. You don't have to have war and peace and they will get them. Incident reportings, when things go wrong and things go wrong, have we a clear system of how we deal with them? Have we a culture where people tell us when things go wrong? In health and social care, it's a complex environment. Care delivery will go wrong. And HICWA never expects, or any regulator never expects that that will be a case, but they do expect that you have a clear process for identifying the risks associated with those incidents, identifying how you're going to improve from them, and then evaluate. And you can see there again on the screen, those incidents not being reviewed or not learning from them. And if you have low incidents, it is a red flag. If you're saying, I, I, and if you're in medication management and you have no incidents, that's a red flag because incidents occur and you need to own that. So we need to make sure that our staff are trained to record the incidents. That's a common non-compliance. And that we're common non-compliance is that we don't notify the inspector. Again, a red flag. And be under no illusion, every regulatory body in the world has a profile of your organization. And they want to know, are you high risk? If you're very complex, if you're multiple sites, multiple areas, multi, you know, multiple regions, that increases your risk. If we're not hearing anything from you, that is increasing the risk profile of the organization uh, as well. And when we talk about risk management for your organization, this is an area that HICWA has focused on quite a lot because it is asking the question, have you come back from your organization? Have you considered the risks? And what are you doing about them? And when they look at risk, they look at risks in three areas. The risk to the individual. So how are you managing risk for that individual? And what are the risks associated? Care risks. How are you managing the care relate, the risks related to how you deliver care and organizational risks? And I'm not just talking about health and safety. I'm talking about corporate organizational risk. So risk management is, is, is a complex area, but in its essential core bits, ask yourself the question, what keeps me awake at night? What are we doing about it? What should we be doing about it? And where are we going? And that concept of, of, of risk is something, again, there's a master's on it. We're not going to, to cover a whole lot. Other issues, training and staff development, they focus a lot on your resources, on the competencies and capabilities. Do we have mandatory training? That's a basic, and most of you would be in good shape for that. The staff appraisals, most organizations are not in good shape. How do you know, and for home care, this is a massive challenge, and we've seen this and we understand it. You might have a staff member who's only doing a couple of hours a week, but whether they're doing two hours a week or they're doing 40 hours a week, you have still a responsibility to be able to understand, to sit on an annual basis and say, are these people appropriate? What training do they need? 
Have they been appropriately supervised? What can we do? You are responsible for every member of staff from one hour to, 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 to 40 hours or anything in between to understand that they have that capability. So it's more than the mandatory training, it's understanding how we assure that competencies, how we assure all of, all of those things. Some of the issues related to that on Reg 21 are the record findings. Get your staff record. Now, this is an easy one to start with. Get your staff records in order. And it continually comes up as non-compliance. We don't have vetting. We don't have our restaurants. We don't have our CVs. We don't have our qualifications on file. No matter what shape or size the final regulations are going to come out, that is going to be in them. So we have to make sure that we have all of that. We have to make sure that we have our records in line with GDPR. And that's a nightmare. There's an awful lot to demand in there, but we have to make sure that we have security, confidentiality, breaches, how we deal with it. Other issues that, that come up as non-compliance is, and this is back to resources. Remember, capacity, capability, quality of care is the capacity that when they look at it and say, this is how many staff are, this is how many, how many service users, in this case, residents, that it's not actually reflective that the staff aren't there or they don't have the appropriate supervision or that we're missing information in relation to it. And these ones are documentation based, but they then can reflect the whole lot of other areas that we actually deal with. Now, this is just touching base on some of the things that you need to consider now rather than later. I remember a meeting and at that stage, it was all face-to-face -face, way back in 2008 when uh, private nursing homes owners were all in, 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 a, in a hotel and they said, oh, this will never happen. I will never allow HICWA to dictate how I deliver care. I will never allow them to, to change the way that we are. Regulation changes the services that we provide. It does take time, but it does have a significant impact. Overall, that impact is focused on improving the quality of care to the individual receiving that care, and it does that. However, that journey is not easy for the care providers. And this is who we work with to, to, to support and, and, and develop. And it is a tough journey. You're in a better position than maybe previously because we do know from the likes of what we're, we're presenting. And if you sign up to, to uh, hci.care, uh, the newsletter there, we continually give updates on, on, on what's coming out of, of HICWA. But you are in a better position because we do know what has gone before. You don't have to wait for the regulations. The national standards for safer, better healthcare are the framework. They understand where, where it's coming from. And the first thing that all organizations do, and we spend more time with organizations doing this than anything else, is a gap analysis. Where are we now? And now is the time to be asking that question. And then you start to put your plan around education or risk or governance and our quality improvement. I'd love to spend a lot more time. We certainly do. But if there's any more, we can, we can follow up on that. Rosemary, any questions? Hi, John. Um, no questions in yet, but if anyone wants to mute themselves or pop some in the chat, feel free. So if there are no questions, um, I again just want to, to thank you for your time this morning. Very much. This is a, a coffee shot 
while you have your cup of coffee to, to talk about things that you need to focus on and where, where the regulation is coming. The timeframes, as I say, still a little bit unclear, um, but we are expecting you know, 18 to 24 months would be, would be realistic at this time. But don't wait for that to happen. This is an opportunity. And I know it's a challenge, but it's an opportunity to say, you know, we have done so much to get where we are. Now let's see how we can even provide better, better quality of care. Did one come in there? Yeah, there's a question just coming in there um, from Kate. So she's just saying regarding visits to individual homes, um, will they have to be agreed to yes. by the person? Yes. Now that that Kate, that that's already happening when we look at organisations who are uh, accredited by JCI and Home Care and, and other ones. So it's always done with agreement. So it is it is that they're they're very respectful. No more than in the nursing homes, they don't engage without uh, permission. Uh, as part of it. So it is never going to be a case that the regulator uh, will enforce it. It may be a case that uh, they would pick a selection of uh, your service users and then say, right, we're going to, we'd like you to ask uh, their permission. Okay, if there's nothing else, um, you have our contact details there. This is what we spend our time doing. Um, and uh, our goal in life is, is to support organizations who are developing their quality and safety systems in line with regulatory compliance. Our return on investment is, is not wasting time. Uh, we have done this se several times over and uh, we have a, a team of support there should there be any issues. If it's a general question, don't hesitate. Drop me an email. You can also follow me on LinkedIn uh, and uh, even Twitter now and again. And happy to come back to you. Other than that, thanks very much for your time this morning.